On this episode, we'll be taking a look back at last week's earnings. We'll be discussing some fake news, looking to see if we're officially in a bear market, and do a deep dive into next week's earnings and touch on everything that's going on with oil, Donald Trump, and a whole lot more. We'll be back in 30 seconds. But we're underway, and I do mean underway. I wonder why fund managers can't beat the S&P 500. Because they're sheep. And sheep get slaughtered. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Season 3, Episode 4 of Pounding the Table. want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors over at StockTwits. Great place to talk about your favorite stocks. And they're just releasing a crypto app on their platform as well. In other news, Tony turned 25 this weekend. So, you know, we let him out of his dungeon a little bit, allowed him to play a little bit on his birthday weekend. So we got the kid, Ryan McAdams, in the booth to sub in the place. Why don't you start off with last week's trending tickers from StockTwits and talk a little bit about the earnings here from last week. Awesome, Avi. Pumped to get into it. So uh, trending tickers of this last week starts out with SPY, you know, S&P 500. Everyone knows that, you know, the market's been taking a beating the last couple of weeks, pretty much the last couple of months for growth. It's been... Uh, about a year now. So ARC's the next one. I mean, it's just getting smoked. You got crude oil that's rising on these uh, Russian and Ukraine fears. Then you got gold. Gold is finally making a move. Looks the best that I've seen in years. And SPACs are, you know, they're SPACs. They're getting smoked (laughs) as we've pretty much been seeing the last uh, year or so. But uh, some of the earnings reactions from this week, you got DraftKings going down. I think a lot of people were trying to buy into that thinking, Oh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, going to go up, betting, betting, betting. Nope, went down. Palantir starting to basically be valued as a government contractor. And if you look at the PS ratio on just about any government contractor, it's about one or two. So, you know, they're going down. Upstart had a nice little rip on their earnings, but they're starting to fade a little bit. That one, definitely want to watch this week. Roku, very sad. If you are a shareholder, I pray for you, man. That's been going down, but it kind of had a little bit of a bottom tail on Friday's candles. So, you know, that's one to watch this week as well. Uh, NVIDIA went down. I think that they had some pretty good earnings, but man, I, they are just too expensive in this in this market. They just really are. The economy is contracting. You really do not want something that expensive. So NVIDIA is starting to go down a little bit. Shopify is getting cut in half. I think they're down at least 50% in the last six months. You know, that's it's been tough for them. Roblox got killed all time low. They're starting to expand a little bit into new markets. So their average revenue per user is definitely dropping. And I think a lot of the reaction was due to that. DoorDash had a little rip, but they faded quite a bit of that rip so far. Airbnb also had a nice rip and that's fading with the market as well. You know, it's just, it's tough right now. Earnings are very, very tough. It's hard to play. And for a lot of people, it's just safe to, you know, sit on the sidelines. You don't need to play earnings every time. Don't be a gambler. Wait until your setup actually, you know, shows itself. Yeah, it's interesting with DraftKings. I think the the logic would be, like you said, everyone's going to be jumping into the Super Bowl gambling, but you know, the market is always kind of looking ahead, right? And, and what's coming up? Not a lot of people are gambling on on baseball, let's say hockey. You know, football is definitely far and away their largest. And so this will be somewhat cyclical. I think people are going to be expecting a little bit lower here. So that that's one of my babies. And I know we're going to be talking a little bit about FUBU here. And, and we'll see if Kathy can make some returns here after uh, Roku. I know we got T-Doc and a few others that she owns coming up here. Let's talk real quick uh, on Trump's Truth Social. So they just debuted uh, yesterday or today. 
crashing the app store. It went to number one in the charts. So some people I know that had downloaded, received like an error message. They were trying to create an account. Others were put on the wait list. I'll be honest. I, I signed up for the wait list. I want to see what it's all about. You got to check it out. But uh, I think what they've been saying is they're trying to get like fully up and running, fully operational, I think with everyone on, on the app by March. So we'll see how that goes. I know that that Trump's son was super hyped. He was tweeting out like, get ready. Your favorite president's going to be on soon. And it'll be very interesting, you know, and then we got Biden here on the other uh, end of the spectrum, of course, with Russia, the Ukraine, it seems like the U.S. is starting to get involved. I saw this great tweet, actually, by Eugene underscore NG, and it was talking about like by the invasion dip. Right. And it was showing like Vietnam War, Gulf War, Afghanistan War, Iraq War, the Crimean crisis. And it shows like right as they're about to invade, there's that quick drop. And then it continues for the next few months. And so it's really interesting. We'll try to post that that tweet because that was an awesome one. And someone had replied to showing even further, like there was like 20 different instances where the market eventually starts to rally behind that. So we'll see. This is a little different here with COVID and all these other things happening. So that'll be interesting to really see. All right, Riley, let's quickly touch on some of the earnings this week, though. I know we got some big ones coming up. Home Depot, Macy's, uh, Space. Mercado Libre, Teladoc, FUBU, Skills, Overstock, Baba, Coinbase, Beyond Meat, Etsy, Open, and Square. So let's touch on a few of those. Why don't you start off with Home Depot? I know you used to work there. You said like high school or something. Yeah, yeah. I used to work at Home Depot. It was uh, not the funnest time, but you know, Home Depot's, you know, they they basically don't miss on their earnings. But with the with the Canadian truckers on strike and lumber just going crazy, I mean, you just don't know what, what can happen in this type of market and in these conditions. You got John Deere and you have uh like Lowe's. Like these these ones are, you know, they're staples. You know, everyone knows who they are. It's not like they're gonna have a crazy big swing on earnings, but you know, in this type of market, you just really don't know. And like I said earlier, it's it's just tough to be able to play these earnings. You almost might as well just sit on the sidelines and wait. But for Home Depot, I know a lot of people like to play it. And just for you guys to, to know going ahead of this, aside from expanding its product offerings and improving its delivery and fulfillment capabilities, you know, they're increasing both their two-day and one-day shipping initiatives. You know, they're they're trying as hard as they possibly can to get people the products in this, you know, supply chain issued economy. So I mean they're they're trying as hard as they can. But it's just so hard to go against some of these random events like the the Canadian truckers on strike. So, you know, it's a very tough one. I personally am 100% sitting on the sidelines for this, but I will absolutely be watching that one. I was just looking at the chart. They're like right at their 200-day moving average. They're also a dividend stock, right? I, I see a lot of people talking on Twitter where they are moving to safer names, perhaps, and you know, can can get a little bit yield on the dividends while the rest of the market kind of shits the bed. And yeah, they got those new offerings. I know every company is becoming more e-commerce friendly, faster shipping, et cetera. All right, Riley. So a name blast literally and metaphorically from the past and now present. Uh, Space just announced that they're finally going to open up ticket sales to the general public. I think that was last Wednesday on February 16th. So the tickets are going to be 450000 for a single seat. Uh, 150,000 deposit. So Chamath, we've seen a lot of his SPACs getting killed. This one's down 82% from its high, absolutely getting smoked. And actually Chamath, I just saw stepping down from Space Board of Directors effective immediately. So not sure if you wanted to add anything. That one's been up and down, literally insane. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I got to say is that this is the wrong name to be in, in this type of market. You just, in a bear market, 
something like Virgin Galactic that's at a 400 times PS ratio. Obviously, some people don't like to use the PS ratio, P ratio, whatever you want to call it. It's overvalued. Okay, you're talking a a company that's going to be relevant maybe in a decade, five years at best. Like this is something that you wait until the dust settles and then you could start to accumulate. This is not something that you want to just buy on every single dip. You know, this is down 82% from its high, 82%. You know, it's just not something that I personally would want to be buying here. When you have something else like some oil companies, whatever it is that are, that have the momentum right now, if you really are in the need of some gains, try and play momentum instead of trying to just buy the dip in a bear market. These things can continue on. We'll get into this later, but they can continue lower. Maybe it snaps back, but it's just something that I would rather not risk my money in. Space was one we talked about early on when the SPAC craze, again, we always joke that you could throw a fucking dart at the board and hit something like a grand slam. But the reality is, you know, these are going to be dead until they prove us otherwise, I think. Um, we got a few coming up that we'll finally see if they can come out there. You know, these names have been beaten down so much. It's like, are they going to vanish? Like, possibly, right? I mean, even if they sell, you know, 100,000 tickets, right? The, the revenues just aren't there. And really, there's a lot more that could go wrong with that company than could go right. Like, yeah, sure, they're going to sell out their first few flights, sure. But what happens if it crashes, God forbid, you know, what happens if yeah. something happens instantly that comes crashing down right again. It's too expensive right now to really be relevant. I think in a decade from now, as the prices go lower and lower and lower, and it's, it's more affordable, you know, maybe it's a $50,000, $75,000 ticket. Obviously it sounds very high, but you know, for someone who wants to go to space, that's their entire dream is to go to space. It'd be worth it. But half a million dollars plus 150,000 right now, and you might not even get a go on it for, for years, it's just too high right now. In the, the revenue they're going to get, even, even if they sell a couple hundred tickets, the revenue is just meaningless. It really is meaningless right now. For, for a multi-billion dollar corporation, $50 million is nothing. It really isn't. You need to be able to put that up on a quarter by quarter basis and then have the growth behind it. They don't even have that yet. You're trying to buy this way too early. You're trying to buy just the idea. And that's fun and all, but in a market like this, you just can't do it. You, this is the wrong place to do it. T-Doc's another name we've touched on quite a bit. Another one of Kathy's favorite. She has got Roku, T-Doc. There's a few more we're going to be touching on here, but you know, Kathy's been getting shit on. She was on the cover of like Fortune about a year ago, right? And now she went from hero to zero. And we're seeing this right now, similar with T-Doc, which was one of the names that was a hero coming into COVID and people started to realize it's a little bit commoditized, you know, to have what they're branded as, you know, as Teladoc, but they're a lot more, right? They purchased Livongo. And now I believe the overall price of TDOC is pretty much what they paid for Livongo. So you're getting two companies, you know, pretty much for the price of one right now. And they're starting to actually integrate it. I know I talked about that with Twilio and their acquisitions, like these things take time to integrate. And so you're not going to really see the fruits of those labors come out right away. The, the noise and like the story sounds good right away, but actually implementing those takes a little bit of time. Some really interesting content from Brad uh, at Stock Market Nerd. I shared a lot of this data. He's got a cool weekly report. You guys should definitely check out, dive in a little bit deeper. But he was talking here about the Chronic Care and Primary 360. So Teladoc debuted this new product called the Chronic Care Complete. So this is tailored around people that have more than one condition which is actually one in three adults on planet earth. So the product's gonna help 
leverage Livongo's monitoring capabilities with all of the enrolled members. So all the connected glucosimeters, blood pressure cuffs, dedicated chronic care professionals, coach to set and meet goals. Their chief product officer had this quote and they gave this example, right? So take, for example, a member with newly diagnosed diabetes. They're not only relying on monitoring coaching as they learn to live with their new diagnosis, but they're also going to receive physician support and determining the appropriate medications and adjustments, as well as mental health supporting to deal with that potentially life-changing diagnosis, right? One thing we always touch on too, uh, you know, in in terms of like, it's always easier to, to treat something before it happens, right? Three in 10 emergency room visits can be avoided with better access to primary and preventative care. So you got to think the partnerships that they're creating now, of course, with all the hospitals, insurance companies, right? If they don't have to pay for those massive bills coming time for the emergency room and then moving to their primary 360 update. So they got this new product that's going to deepen the utility and the breadth of their service. So again, going back to what I was talking about, that each patient will be assigned a primary care doc, a nurse, a medical assistant. So you pretty much get this entire team around you Uh, and the member satisfaction on that sits at 98%. Primary 360's enrollment was double what Teladoc had expected to date. As I mentioned, they've signed 50 health plans, employers to primary 360, includes 11 Fortune 500 companies. So it's it's well beyond, obviously, just the hospitals. They're getting into enterprises as well. And I think this could be one that will surprise people, if, especially if they can turn a profit. I know Dave was talking about this a uh, few episodes when we were touching on TDoc, but he was looking at like Tesla and a few other companies that the moment they turned a profit, they just crushed it for the next quarter after quarter after quarter. So we're getting close here. I don't know if it'll be this quarter, but I'd say this quarter or the next one, they're going to get close to profitability. You want to touch on FUBU real quick, Riley? FUBU, you know, they're probably going to have a nice quarter just based on the amount of sports that we've had, but everyone needs to realize that major sports are over. You got hockey. Trust me, I love hockey. I know a lot of you guys probably that are listening to this love hockey. I love hockey too, but from a revenue standpoint, from a subscriber standpoint, there's going to be a lot less people wanting to subscribe to Fubo just because of hockey. Now for football, they were getting millions of subs or hundreds of thousands of subscribers over the last couple of years solely on football. So when football is over, people are just going to cancel the subscriptions. And so for the next couple of quarters, Fubo needs to show that they're going to lose subscribers less. That's something that I'm looking forward to. If it's going to just be a major drop-off, every year, basically for, for two quarters, it's going to be a company that is going to be so unpredictable that you don't even want to own it. Trust me. I I've, I've liked Fubo since they IPO. I was in them from $10, rode them up to 60, still have some shares in some accounts, but it is just not a company that you really want to basically hold long-term with size. This is just a company that I, I treat as almost a lottery ticket. You know, if they are successful, then yeah, they could look like a 10, 20, $30 billion company and everyone has Fubo. But for right now, it's a very, very big gamble. And I don't really like gambles in the type of market that we're in. So I'm just kind of sitting on my hands waiting to see what actually happens with this one. But who knows? You know, Earnings are very unpredictable, but this one is definitely one that I'm going to watch this week. Just to kind of piggyback on what you're saying there, you know, it's a it's a hard business to be in, right? You look at New York adding FanDuel and DraftKings and all those others, and they're taking a 51% clip on all that revenue, right? So yeah, it's all new revenue, not much to turn on. But one, you're battling in the marketing field with some of these big boys like DraftKings and FanDuel, MGM, Caesars has a commercial on every three seconds. You know, it's like, 
it's it's going to be one of those situations. I almost compare it to like Uber and Lyft, where they're just spending so much money to to get that user acquisition. And then FUBU is kind of value prop with the television integrated. Like DraftKings is going to be doing that as well. So yeah, I agree with you on that one. That one's going to be something that, you know, the fact that I'm saying it's going to go down, <laughs> it might fucking rip, but I just don't, I don't see that one going very far. Another one we touch on kind of in the same field, skills. That was one of my babies. You know, we rubbed that up from 10 to, to 40 something, 42. I did end up selling uh, and I did share that publicly. I know a few people on Twitter still hate me for that one, but you know, I think the reality there is I got crushed too, right? I, I ended up selling all of it at 14. And so I, I wrote it all the way down there. It will be interesting to see what happens with that. I just don't trust their leadership in all candor. I just, I don't see it happening. I know that they have this great story about getting into India. We saw what happened with SE in India. Who knows if something similar will happen here with skills. Uh, they are doing something really interesting though. They're opening up like their Q&A platform for their investor call to like anyone. So you can literally tweet them a question or you maybe have to do a link, but usually it's like folks, you know, that are, you know, professional analysts that are able to get on those calls. And so this is something unique. I've never seen that before. And that'll be a call I'd want to listen to. <laughs> I can't, can't imagine some of the people hating on that, but I guess the upside there, I'm looking at this chart, it shows yearly revenue versus their estimates. You know, they have been more or less hitting them in 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, that's where it starts to get really interesting, uh, getting up to like 1.5 billion by 2025. If they can start showing they're hitting those. And Bruckheimer, you guys are probably familiar with him from the movie industry. He bought almost 20,000 shares. Their head of revenue purchased almost uh, uh, 90,000 shares. So, you know, some of that insider stuff you do want to look at. Obviously, they see their numbers before everyone else and they bought, you know, in November of last year. So, It'll be uh, interesting if they pop. They got a 20% implied move here that I'm taking a look at. So we shall see well, if somebody... Just, Go ahead. One of the things I think is... I mean, it sucks for this guy, but it's a little funny, the fact that he bought 86,000 shares of, of skills at $11.63. Was that three months ago only? Three months ago from 11 right. and now it's, what, three bucks, four bucks? That's a little crazy, but... I mean, that's the bear market for you. You know, it's a lot of people are buying into the stories, buying into the hype, especially on these SPACs, and then just getting let down when they miss their earnings, at least their projections almost every time. I mean, I think uh, Mataport was the one last week that completely missed. I mean, it was horrible how bad that they missed and they guided like half of whatever they were expecting when they were a SPAC, when they first put out their first uh, investor presentation, it was like, I think it was like 200 million or something like that for the year. And then they're guiding like 120 million now or something like that. It's like, how, how can you miss by that much? You know, a lot of these facts now are looking very, very sketchy. The, the yeah. farther that they get, the, the older that they get into their life cycle. And now it's, it's not looking good for some of these names. The only one that I know that's above NAV that I at least follow is on Q. You know, they're pretty much the only one. I think that one's, that one's valid. That one has has a lot of hype behind it. And I think that they're starting to to make some deals that are showing, you know, that they actually deserve the hype. But yeah, other than that, I respect that I know of right now is, is under nav. Yeah. Well, they, it's really, they got to prove themselves. I think everyone gets super excited about the hype. We fell for it, you know, and, and they were great when they were at nav. You know, the reality is though, these companies have to prove it quarter after quarter, right? I, I know I always talked about share care in the past. Like they got to prove it like, a year 
pretty much, you know, and a lot of these specs, they'll, they're going to have to prove it that they can continue to grow. And we've talked about many of these specs and they were great on the way up, but there wasn't much underneath them. And ultimately what we saw here is they're going to have to prove it quarter after quarter uh, that they're not just amazing, fancy deck with, you know, fancy celebrities and, and et cetera. Right. They're going to actually have to prove it as a business that they're going to be able to continue to scale. So another name that's really interesting, we haven't really touched on quite a bit for a while, Alibaba, right? And the China names have been holding up pretty well during the equity sell-off. I'm surprised that they haven't gotten crushed during all of this with Russia. Obviously, Russia and China have a friendly handshake together. But do you, do you feel like China is now safer a little bit now? I, believe it or not, I think China might be the safest place to be right now. I know other people are going to be shaking their heads saying, absolutely not. What is this 21-year-old saying right now? But just look at look at what the market is actually telling you right now. If you look at the Chinese stocks, they're holding right now. They're holding the bases that they're building the last few months while QQQ and SPY have been basically just throwing up just a big puke. So, I mean, you got to you got to just look at the charts and just see what it's telling you. And right now, Baba's 118 down from the 300s. This is starting to look like a place where you could start to accumulate not saying that this is what you should do. This is not financial advice, but from just looking at the charts purely, it's looking like we're starting to see potentially a bottom. I know people hate that word in bear markets. And I, I, I'm just saying right now that a company like Baba, who has the earnings, who has the growth, who has the potential to continue to grow, go into different markets like Africa. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but you know they still have the potential to continue their growth trajectory. And I mean, they're just a solid business all around. This is a type of company that you want to try and buy on dips in a bear market if you want to buy. Mm. Not saying that you have to, but if you do want to buy something and you want to use the DCA, you want a dollar cost average, Bob is a name that you could start to accumulate at these levels and actually maybe make some money towards the end of the year when things maybe start to bounce. Not saying that they will, but if they do start to bounce, Baba can be one of the strongest names when we do bounce because it's showing the strength versus the rest of the market being sell- basically just selling off every single day, it seems like nowadays, 2%, 3% days, like it's nothing. Like that's that's the common thing now when you have Baba, people are just accumulating right now at these levels and they can hold for a couple of years, maybe five years, whatever it is, and they're going to make money on this and it's safe. They're, they have earnings. They actually make money. Most of the companies right now that a lot of people trade, a lot of people are buying, they don't even make money. In, in a contracting market right, that we're in right now, you want to find things that make money. You know, this is, this is a time period when you want to survive. You not even want, you have to survive in these types of drawdowns. If you don't survive, you just, you're not going to buy anything ever again, basically. You're probably going to hate the market, never want to go in again, maybe throw some money in a retirement account. So being able to survive through these drawdowns will then allow you to buy when we actually start to go back up and you could start to make money. But just buying everything, buying a Virgin Galactic just because, hey, they're going to the moon maybe one day, whatever it is, it's stupid. You don't do that. You, you right. buy things like Baba. You buy things that actually have cash flow. Those are the things that you actually want to get into. Sorry, there's a little bit of a rant, but you know, <laughs> I, I know that a lot of people- Until Facebook China, comes along and ruins that theory, you know? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, exactly, gosh. exactly. Now, nah, but I, mean, I was looking at this chart too. A lot of funds are starting to add to Baba. So Charlie Munger added 600,000 shares, Conifer Management, 2 million shares, Tiger Global added 4 million shares, 
Crescent Fund did 5.5 million. So a lot of funds are adding to it. Coinbase, besides their incredible Super Bowl commercial, they got 20 million hits in one minute from a little bouncing DVD thing that said, what did it even say Coinbase? It was just the QR code, right? It was it was the QR code at first that didn't show anything with Coinbase. And then I think it'll last like 10 seconds of the ad. It, it then showed a little bit of Coinbase. But the fact that they got 20 million people to scan a QR code without any sort of no, no logo or anything like that, just right. a floating QR code. Like every single person that scanned that, they're curious. Most people are curious. The fact yeah. that Coinbase used the curiosity to be able to get 20 million people to scan that, people that even have Coinbase, you know, you, they have a $3 million uh, lotto, whatever, whatever they're doing. I, I forgot what it was exactly, but they're able to get not only the, the customers that they have, but new customers. And then all of a sudden, the rest of the day, people are talking, oh, do you see that Coinbase ad? Right. And the next day, Oh yeah. In my classrooms all week long that all last week, I was Oh, what's your favorite Super Bowl ad? Oh, you guys see Coinbase. Oh, what do you guys think of the QR code? Like everyone talks about it and the younger generations, they all are talking about it right now. They all know what, what Coinbase is. The ones who didn't know, they all know now something like that. You can't even put a price tag on. I think they paid $14 million for that ad space. They're going to make tens of billions of dollars, billions with a B in the lifetime of all those users that they just gained. Not to mention, people don't even know how many users that they're going to get from those new ones that scan that, that sign up. They're going to talk to their friends. Their friends are going to download it. Then their friends talk. It's just a, a constant feedback loop. You yeah. can't put a price tag on that. A successful ad of the Super Bowl is a home run. They won the Super Bowl. I don't care what the Rams did. Coinbase won the Super Bowl. Simple as that. If you disagree, I don't know what to tell you. You clearly don't know anything about marketing. No. Sorry if I hurt your feelings, but that's just how it is. Coinbase won the Super Bowl. I can't wait until their earnings. I hope I hope it falls because I want to buy as much as I possibly can under 150. Simple as that. So yeah, it's called earned media, which is I agree. It was everyone, if you didn't watch it, someone was talking about it. Every single website was talking about it. They were in the list of every single person's best Super Bowl ads, right? Because it was it was unique. And I think that will be one people will remember for years and continue to talk about that. So you're right. It's very tough to say, okay, they spent $14 million. Like clearly that was worth it because they're getting way more than just that 60 seconds, whatever they paid for. The one thing I do want to mention that a lot of the revenue that they make is obviously from transactions, right? And so the amount of volume, I just saw this tweet from the crypto lark. He said, crypto volume across all exchanges has dropped daily from a high of 228 billion in November to 70 billion today, which is a drop of about 75%. So for earnings, that is, uh, that's got to put some question marks for Coinbase in, in my head, at least. I know there's the earnings of what they did. And then of course, you're going to look ahead to, towards the guidance, right? And it'll be interesting to see how some of those new legs come out. I know Tony's super hyped about these NFTs that are going to be coming to Coinbase as they should be. I think that'll be huge for them. But you know, in terms of this specific earnings, you may have your shot to, to buy because if it's based off volume and volumes down that much, they're going to have to find revenue elsewhere, which which may be tough right now. You have the NFT exchange that they're they're going to come out with probably in the next two quarters. So that's something that you know a lot of people should look forward to for a catalyst for Coinbase. You know that's something that is going to add revenue. It's going to add hype. It's going to add more users. So I mean that's something that I hope that they touch on on the earnings call. That would not surprise me if they say you know we're looking at. Q2, Q3 launch for our NFT exchange. And I think one of the news things that, that Tony loves was the was NASDAQ have a, a patent or a trademark on a NFT exchange or something along those lines of where they're going to start to allow people to trade NFTs 
mm-hmm. on their exchange. That's huge for crypto, massive. So I mean, it's not really a matter of if this is going to be around in the next couple of years. It's just how big. Right. That's the question that people need to ask themselves. How big? I won't go too deep into NFTs, but you know, a lot of people think they're jokes. There's a lot of people that absolutely love them. I always look at NFTs as, you know, if you think about it through the lens of this is almost like a ramp for a lot of people, like a cute cartoon or a picture is really just like the first iteration of of what this can become. I mean, you look at what real estate companies could do with smart contracts. I've seen businesses now be sold as an NFT and you get all part of the business as part of that NFT, right? So that's where the ball is really going with these NFTs. So for everyone that's in their head, they're like, I'm turning this off. I hate NFTs. Stop talking about these things. I agree in in a sense, right? But in terms of where the ball is going to be going with NFTs and the direction it's going to go in terms of smart contracts for really every walk of life, that's where it gets interesting. And that's where I think really people should start to focus on. And I think you're right. I mean, it'd be foolish not to mention something about the NFTs and their guidance because I agree with Tony. I think they'll be massive for the revenue streams. Another one we talk about is Square. Uh, Obviously, they've come back to earth you know, more than I actually thought. I'm pretty, I'm pretty surprised it's gone. I think it's sub hundred now, right? Yeah. It's 90, 97, 98 ish. It's all about earnings this week. It really is. It's do or die at this point. If they have another quarter where cash app has a, you know, decreasing growth, it's just, it's not going to be good. They're going to be probably 80, maybe, maybe low nineties at best, which is probably not going to happen. It's going to be in the eighties if it's bad earnings. If if the growth starts to tick back up for Cash App, though, watch watch this one. This one this one can really start to go back up just because Cash App is essentially square at this point. I know Title also they they acquired them and they they had a little bit of a spike in demand sometime during this quarter about a, a month ago. I saw the the trends on that starting to get get a little bit of hype. So I mean, definitely one that I'm going to be watching this week. And I mean, it's it's do or die. That's all I got to say for for Square. Yeah. Do you think any of these is like, I know we've been touching on this a little bit, but like some of the acquisitions, who do you think if they have a bad earnings? I mean, is, is Square too big now? I don't, obviously they're not too big to get acquired, but. I think Square can be acquired at this point. I think Square is getting to the level. I think it's around 50, 50 billion. I think if you're Apple, I think you take a look at Square. I think that that's, that's the company that makes the most sense of acquiring Square. If you can somehow get Jack Dorsey and Square under Apple, I think that that is that is a combo that that people are are going to be sleeping on if it happens. I think that though Apple alone with two hundred billion dollars and then a fintech like Square that essentially has the POS systems all over the United States, you know, I think that that can do some really good revenue just alone on that. But I think having the capital to back it up, and then you have Title too, and then all of a sudden you can kind of tie that in with Apple Music somehow. You know, there's a lot of things that you could do with Square and Apple together. And Will it happen? Probably not, but it's definitely something that you could think about. But I mean, yeah, I, I think that Square and Jack Dorsey together, it's a combo that people are sleeping on right now. I think a lot of people do not like Jack Dorsey for some reason, but I think that he's a genius. And I think that he can kind of be put in the category of Elon at one point in their life, maybe not right now, but I think Jack Dorsey's building a lot of great things that we're going to be using for the rest of our lives. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I'd say there's a few others too. You know, Jumia's got their earnings. We haven't touched on them forever. Probably rightfully so. I mean, they've they've shit the bed completely as well. They're not even worth a billion dollars right now. Like someone could take a gamble on them, get the blueprint for Africa, like Amazon. I know you were touching on like SE or Mealy, which Mercado Libre has also got their earnings coming up here. But like, 
That's got to be one. Teladoc, potentially someone that wants to get into health, that, that's, if they get crushed on earnings, that's also got to be one that's potential for either Apple or Microsoft to snag up on. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Jumia makes the most sense for a C Limit or a Mealy to try and acquire. It probably would start a little bit of a bidding war if one of them tries for it. Then the other one's probably going to try and go for it. But I mean, I think that makes the most sense. Amazon kind of has their their hands full with a lot of different things. I think they're trying to do as much as they can away from e commerce. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that's probably a little bit. I mean, I, I just, if I was Amazon, I probably wouldn't even do it. I think that you have enough capital to be able to just go into Africa. I think everyone on earth knows what Amazon is at this point. I think a lot of people on earth don't know what C-Limited and Mealy are, but Amazon, I mean, I think that a lot of people will know what that is. And I think that they, they, they will have no, no problem getting into Africa if they really wanted to, but I mean, they have their hands full right now, but I, I'd like to see C-Limited try and take a stab at Jumia. I really would. I think that at this point, Africa is getting to the point where you got to start to get in there or you're going to be too late. We saw that with Southeast Asia, saw that with uh, basically Indonesia in general. Just, I mean, every, that entire area is 300, 400% growth in uh, basically any sort of digital, digital category. Any digital category is up three, 400% year over year. I mean, the growth there is insane. And just having C Limited and Grab over there, I mean, you could start to see the next C and, and Grab in Africa. Maybe yeah. it is going to be C-Limited being the C-Limited in Africa. You really don't know. But being able to get into Africa this, this early is, is key. I think that whoever wins Africa will probably be the biggest one. If you're a Mealy fan, you, you want to hope that they start to get into Africa and fast. Yeah. I mean, Africa is such a sleeping giant. I mean, it's been for years and, and there's a lot of political stuff that no one really talks about, you know, with, with China actually owning a ton of Africa. I wonder how much that has to play in with people looking to acquire them and certainly one to continue to kind of just keep an eye on for now. Jumia is not one that I'm holding now, but something I, I have on my watch list and continue to look at every few weeks or so. Overall though, Riley, you think we're in a, a, a bear market? I know you got to get to class here, so let's wrap it up. But where do you think we're heading here with you know, everything with Russia, the Ukraine, everything that's going on. Like I always ask Tony, let's see what from the young gunner. Yeah, no, we're 100% in a bear market. I hate to hate to be that guy. I know a lot of people still are trying to just say, no, we're not, we're not. <laughs> it's, 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 we're, we're going to bounce one of these days. It's like, it's a bear market. I'm sorry to, to give it to you straight there, but I mean, I will say though, the one thing that I have noticed is these bear markets are starting to get very, very quick. You know, they used to take years at this point. At the end of 2018, we saw it last three months. March 2020 lasted two months. And now we're on about two months for, for S&P and, and uh, tech. But I mean, growth, it's been a year. It, it has seriously yeah. been a year since about, what, February, I would say, February to now. So at least a year of just bear market. It's been tough. If, you, if you're a growth trader, growth investor, you got some scars. I know you do. If you, if you, if you don't, then uh, you're probably paper trading, but <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it has been, it has been hell. That's a lot of them out there. It, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the, I think the, the poster boy of the growth bear market is, is Roku down 80%, 500 yeah. to a hundred in six months. I mean, come on. It's, it's definitely a name that, that is, it looks appealing, but I mean, down 80%. I know that you're supposed to probably be buying at this case, but I mean, it looks like it's on its way to zero at this point, but (laughs) I mean, poor Kathy, no, it won't go to zero. And I know Kathy bought, I think it was like 12 million shares on Friday or or Thursday and sold 
like 20, 30 million shares of Palantir. And I think that was a great move on her part. I think it is a little bit of a trade on, on her end. I think that she's trying to pump stats a little bit, which I would be doing the same if you're down as bad as her the last 12 months. But we're, we're for sure in a bear market and you just got to be careful. This is, this is when you go, you flip from trying to make money to just surviving. It really is just, it's surviving. Exactly. Well, bears scratch and claw. So we're going to have to continue to fight because yeah, it's not, not summer 2020 anymore, folks. <laughs> You're not going to be able to throw a dart at the board here and, and hit a grand slam every single time. So you got to be smarter. Riley, let's wrap this up here. Talk about oil. We never talk about oil. So all the oil fans that have been pounding the table, talk about oil, talk about oil. Now's your chance. Yeah. As I just was saying, you know, we definitely are in a bear market and most of the cases, you know, in a bear market, oil has actually been very strong. I mean, it it really has been. And just recently oil was flirting with the mid nineties, almost over a hundred dollars a barrel. Crazy. I get that the Ukraine and Russia tensions are are high, but I mean, man, 95 gas is uh, very expensive. The place to be looking right now is the alternative uh, energy sources. These companies you're talking EMPH, CEDG, Sunrun, First Solar. These solar companies are, are names that could start to get bid up over time. Enphase, uh, they, they had a great earnings actually a couple of weeks ago. I think it probably faded a little bit, but they had huge, huge revenue, huge growth. I mean, the, the alternative energy companies are probably the place to be. And I think probably up until something actually happens with Ukraine and Russia, I think oil probably stays around 90 bucks, probably just will chop around. I think the the people who've been holding since the 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe someone from $1 or whatever it is, someone's going to be selling, someone's going to be buying. But I think that, you know, it's just going to chop around until something actually happens. I know that Biden and Putin want to have a summit. I know that Kremlin walked that back. Fake news is is everywhere. Mm. But I mean, it is just, it's all over the place. It's very hard to trade in this market, very hard to invest, very hard to hold anything. It really is. You got to know what you know. Got to know what you own and just pray. That's, that's all I got to say. <laughs> just pray. Everything's cyclical. And so things that have been getting hit, eventually they'll hopefully come back around. And yeah, I mean, watch this Russia stuff very closely. Biden's going to go in. He's going to be the hero. And COVID's starting to wrap up now. And just in time for midterms. And so it's... but. We got a lot going on here in the couple of weeks coming up. Uh, perhaps a new third host will be joining us. Stay tuned on that. That will be very exciting, as well as a few cool projects we're getting involved with. If you guys have cool projects, shoot us a DM. We're always interested. Hop on Zooms, talk to people. Tony will be back next week. Make sure to wish him a happy birthday. And with that being said, folks, have a great week. And we'll be back for another edition of Pounding the Table. Are you going to be late to yeah, that? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I started four minutes ago and I'm 20 minutes away, but it's all good. That's amazing. All right, brother. Every night I flex. I'm making big moves. That's a big move. Big money, big moves. That's a big move. I'm making big moves. That's a big move. Big money, big moves. That's a big move. Yeah. play, don't talk about it. Master P, I'm about it, about it. This one here for all that try to count me out and they still counting honestly i never doubt it say the top is never crowded well i'm trying to climb the mountain till i need a few accountants stock is rising perfect timing i'm in brickle with the try shawty sliding she wants sushi she want eel sauce for the rice i just peel off with the light took her heels off for the ride don't say real talk just a lie i'm a real one i provide yeah.